This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Episode 2, The Million Dollar Bedroom. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Hey Chainers and welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. I have an awesome guest today. His name is Matt DeCorsi. He is a highly successful entrepreneur that launched his first company in a spare bedroom in 2009 with nothing but an Amex card and $8,000 limit. And since then he has built companies that have generated millions of dollars in revenue. Currently, Matt's the founder and CEO of Gigabook, a cloud-based appointment booking platform. Welcome Matt. Thanks for having me. So Matt, tell our trainers a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, you, you kind of mentioned my professional story there. Um, other than that, I am a father of two children and a husband of a lovely and very patient wife um, located in Kansas City, uh, Kansas, and uh, just kind of busy doing my thing every day. Fantastic. And any hobbies or anything you'd like to add additionally to that? Sure. Uh, I actually, about 20 years ago, I decided that my hobby was making money and I haven't worked a day since. (laughs) That's a great hobby to have. (laughs) I tried a lot of other stuff and it just wasn't really working out the way I needed it to. So I kind of (laughs) settled down to that and it's been great. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. So um, you've just had your second book published. Uh, Firstly, congratulations. Thanks. Um, and let's talk a little bit about Million Dollar Bedroom, Scrappy Lessons of Success, Setback, and other surprises not taught in business school. Um, what is your motivation for the book? Well, the motivation for the book was, first off, it's it's my story. Um, and the story of the businesses that we built and our entrepreneurial journey were very improbable. Um, we started, I I started a business at the worst time of my life. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing in in a lot of ways. And I mean, when I look back at it, if I was asking myself for advice about whether I should start a business, I would say, no, don't, you're going to fail. Cause you know, I just didn't, I didn't have the resources and a lot of stuff. So with that, um, you know, the term scrappy is a good uh, analogy because we did have to scrap our way through things. We had to figure a lot of stuff out. We had to bootstrap a lot of things. And, you know, with that, I learned a lot of stuff and I felt like I wanted to share it. And with Million Dollar Bedroom, my motivation for writing it was twofold. One, I felt that people could, you know, learn from my story. And then also I felt like a lot of business books, especially ones that tell you how to get started and how to, you know, build a business and do a lot of stuff. A lot of them are written by people that haven't done it 
or they're not really giving you a realistic dose of what you're in for. So with Million Dollar Bedroom, I wanted to write the world's most interesting business 101 and 102 book. Right. So I refer, I refer to it as an educational narrative. So in the book, I walk you through our journey from, you know, the ups and downs. And I'm very realistic. I try quickly but effectively like what our different choices were why we made some of them things to avoid and um you know i've been told by quite a few people that the book is funny in a lot of spots which is funny to me because i really wasn't trying to be funny when i wrote it but uh, <laughs> so you know with that that some of that's just you know that realistic view and kind of explaining to people what you'll really get into if you decide to start your own business Right, and and I think many people as well, um, especially entrepreneurs, they they look at other entrepreneurs and they think, you know, wow, they've got it all set, they've got everything mapped out, and what they don't realize is that you have to make mistakes, and the first time you do something is not going to be always the best way that you went about doing it. You know, there's always going to be something that you can learn, and 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 I guess if you're talking about that in the book, then you're really hitting that spot that people actually take for granted very often. Yeah, I think that I'm doing you more of a service as a purveyor of information if I tell you what we did that failed colossally. Um, it's pretty easy to look at success and say, oh, sure, that's where we want to be. But how about telling me the things that are going to keep me from getting burned or losing money or wasting a ton of time? Yeah. So, you know, those are those are, you know, important. And uh, when you're you know, still new as an entrepreneur or a business owner, even just a business person, or it, it's, it's difficult to sometimes look at failure and say, you know, Hey, I can learn from this or this is okay. And, you know, no, I don't think anybody wants to fail, but if you learn how to not make it a totally negative experience and turn it into something that vaults you forward, it can be very powerful. Right. Um, Katie and myself actually attended an event in DC uh, probably about two weeks ago. Um, it was called F Up Nights, and they literally went through three different entrepreneurs, and they just spoke about what they did wrong. And you know, yeah. some of the businesses were already successful, and they've went and got you know like a contract for two million dollars with Whole Foods. And you know, um, it's actually started it was started um, in a much smaller town. I forget where, but. It's now become like an international thing that F Up Nights is all over the world, and um, people just get together and hear what works and what doesn't, and and I think it really helps people, you know, yeah, seeing that it's okay to make a mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, how long did it take you to complete a Million Dollar Bedroom? Um, that's a good question, and it's it. You know, I published two books in in a matter of months. Um, I wrote them both at the same time. Wow. Um, as yeah, it was kind of odd. And, you know, I had a couple people ask me like, how'd you put out two books in such a <laughs> short amount of time? It didn't take me long to write million dollar bedroom at all. Um, the reason for that is it, it was my own story. Right. So I really realized that now balance my first book, which came out on March 1st, it took a lot more thought and consideration and work. Now also it was the first book that I'd published. So yeah. coupled, you know, the, the, and it did come out of the pipe. Uh, before million dollar, but I was working on both of them simultaneously. Overall, uh, I mean, it, it's 
when you talk about how long it takes to write a book, there, there's the actual act of writing the book. And then you've got like 9,000 steps that you didn't realize you had to go through before you decided to write a book. Right. A lot of editorial stuff, a lot of back and forth stuff and, you know, just different things. Like I think a lot of people that go to write a book don't understand or know that there's like four different types of editors that you can use. And just, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, overall, Less than six months, okay. but probably in my realistic time, it was probably done in two or three. Okay, cool. So yeah. um, what was your favorite part of writing the book or your favorite like chapter as such? My favorite part about writing a book is finishing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, it's it's funny because I, I don't really consider myself to be a writer, um, yeah. but there's, uh, I, I've received a lot of really positive statements and compliments about my writing. And I think it's because I'm not focused on being a writer. I'm just kind of like telling my story. Yeah. Um, as far as the book goes, I wasn't kidding. Finishing it is the best part. Um, but you know, I think in the beginning, uh, if you unchain yourself as a writer and you just let everything come out, you know, just get it out of your head and onto that. It's not really paper anymore. It's more like, you know, a laptop and Microsoft work, but that purge, just getting as much of it out of you as fast as you can. Um, and it feels kind of relieving and then, and then you have a whole nother job and that's the part I didn't really like is like coming through it. And that's where the editor will do a little better job. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So, since starting Gigabook, I'm sure there's been a couple disasters where you've just wanted to throw in the towel. Could you walk us through one of your biggest disasters that's ever occurred in starting a business? Um, well, like, you know, I think one of the things that, and I, and I get into this in Million Dollar Bedroom, I think rather than talking about a disaster, I think let's relay this more to a principle. I think that not enough people really give strong enough consideration uh, to what is your path to revenue? And, you know, I'm, I'm very involved in the startup community here in Kansas city. And I have a lot of people that want to just tell me their idea and see what I think about it. And I say this to people all the time. I say, you really need to determine and figure out how long it's going to take to put $1 in the bank. Um, and people have a, people have a tendency. Now I'm a very, very positive and optimistic person, but I'm also very cynical when it comes to this concept. Because people will say things, well, if only 10% of people that needed it would buy it, well, uh, how are you going to make that happen? <laughs> you know, and, you know, there's just people want to believe that everything's going to be, you know, candy and roses. But if that's all you plan for, your plan's very incomplete. So, right. you know, determining how long it's going to take you to put any money in the bank is really important. Like with Gigabook, I mean, we were 18 months in before we collected a dollar. Um and, you know, we're, you know, several hundred thousand dollars into building it and that, but we realized that that was going to be the case. We anticipated some of that, not all of it, but some of it. So, yeah, I think that's probably the best thing you can learn. And maybe the lesson that kind of sticks out to me over the the course of things, I, I own more than one business. So I've learned this lesson a lot over the last 10 years. Right. So in essence, just sort of taking a step back and saying, right, even though I have this idea, how long is it actually going to take for me to make a single dollar? And how am I going to grow it from then on out? And, and can I afford to get there? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and what's going to happen if this doesn't go anywhere near the way that I planned it to? So, you know, some people say take, you know, when you're planning, take 
what you think you're going to need and double it, I say you should triple it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's just because uh, what happens is that stress and that anxiety of running out of money and being at the end of your runway is going to hamper your ability to even do a good job. So it's pretty important. And also, like, I think another thing, too, is um, give a lot of consideration to who you're doing business with, meaning like who are your partners? Are they going to put in as much effort and energy as you are? Are they, you know, there's a lot of different things. And I, I tell people it's, it's easier to get rid of your wife than it is to get rid of your business partner. <laughs> and, and it's true, you know, so with that, you know, I think a lot of people when they don't know any better, they start throwing around equity and doing a lot of stuff. And it's not really based on any logic. You know, I've seen people give me pitches and change their own ownership percentage amongst themselves as principal owners right there at the table in front of me. I'm sitting there thinking, wow, that's. Yeah amazing how you guys just had like a 30% change in, in, in principal ownership there. So yeah. it's almost like watching people at the casino, just throwing money around. <laughs> that's more, almost more logical. Yeah. Okay, great. So, um, what advice would you give to someone that's just starting out, but doesn't really have a huge amount of money? Um, would you say that there's any free or cheap resources that they could make use of? Oh, wow. They're, I mean, they're endless. Um, you know, we're in the, we're in the age of freemium and, uh, you know, like I didn't get this as much 10 years ago when I was starting my businesses, but man, everything's got something free now. And, you know, you get what you pay for, um, in a lot of regards, but my God, it is just the, the information, the knowledge, the access and just everything. I mean, you can take something like before we started the interview, we were talking briefly about LinkedIn, you know, like, I mean, just the ability to potentially be heard by a decision maker uh, with that kind of direct access is is amazing. Now, that being said, it's not as easy as just sending a message. But, you know, I I mean, man, you could really piece together a lot of stuff. And there's a lot of uh, starting any kind of business or enterprise with no resources is you're immediately climbing uphill. But. Um, I mean, we did it with million dollar bedroom, um, you know, in that story, but you know, along the way, there's a lot more that are going to die on that trail than are going to survive. Right. So basically just leverage information a bit, well, information technology a little bit more and try and network. Yeah. I, that, and also like, you know, try to be somewhat specific about what you're going to try to get good at. Um, you can't do it with everything. Like people ask me all the time, they say, Oh, are you a computer programmer? I say, no, I don't write code. I write checks. <laughs> um, Cause it's true. But it I had true. to, I had to decide a long time ago that that wasn't going to be my forte. And for me, you know, I'm a high energy, uh, ADD kind of guy. If I was trying to program my platforms, I would have a pile of broken computers in the corner. Um, cause it's just, you know, I, I'm not that, that's not my thing. I'm not the guy that finds where that missing semicolon is that broke the whole page. Yeah. So, and I just, you know, I made a commitment to that. So I focused on other things that were related to, you know, my strengths, both personality wise, also my interests. Like if you're thinking about starting a business and it's, it, it's built around or the subject matter is not something that you're passionate about. You need to really stop and think about it because you're going to talk about it all day, every day, and it'll get old real fast if you don't love it. Yeah. So um, talking a little bit about Gigabook then, 
Let's uh, dive a little bit into that. So it's a cloud company that helps small businesses increase their service bookings. So um, could you tell us a little bit more about exactly how that works? Sure. At its core, now Gigabook does a ton of stuff, but at its core, if we had to, you know, simplify it down, it takes your static website and it turns it into a booking engine. So let's, I always use the example of a dog walker. So here's your dog walker website and people want to schedule a time for you to come walk the dog. Well, it's difficult for you to answer the phone when you have a handful of leashes. So online booking gives small business owners the ability to be efficient and take bookings without having to always interface with their users or their clients. So Gigabook, we, we have a plugin that you can put on any website and your blog. Uh, we even give you a booking page if you don't have a website. And with that, you can make your availability um, known to your clients on a real-time basis. That's fantastic. So yeah. um, where did the idea come from? Were you very frustrated one day when trying to make a booking? <laughs> well, yeah, it's actually the, the last third of Million Dollar Bedrooms talking about it. I, uh, I, was get, I was going, all right, my wife and I got married a few years ago in St. Thomas, and I had one job which was to take our dogs to the, to the groomer, which was also the kennel. And I knew the lady that owned the business. Well, here I am, it's five o'clock and we're leaving the next morning. And I had not dropped these dogs off yet. So I was about to fail at my only job. And I kept calling the place and I was like, I wanted to make sure that there was someone there. Cause it was like 20 minutes away. So I couldn't get anyone to answer the phone. So I had to kind of, you know, panic and throw these dogs in the car and I start driving and I'm, you know, I'm cursing the whole way. Cause I'm like, why isn't anyone answering the phone? This is terrible. I get to the, I get to the place and I'm just remarkably relieved that it's actually open. When I get there, I walk in the business and there's no, no one inside. No. Now the, <laughs> the little bell, the little bell on the door rang when I went in and after a few seconds, I hear a voice in the back saying, Hey, I'm back here. Yeah. So I went to the back and there's this lady in the back and her and this giant dog were completely covered with soapy bubbles. <laughs> and I and I and I realized why she couldn't answer the phone. But so I, I re- was very relieved that I wasn't about to, you know, fail at my one job of dropping these dogs off. But on my drive back to my house, I would, my sense of business and efficiency and sales and everything were just offended. And. I kept thinking, I was like, man, you know, there's got to be a way, like how much business are they losing? Is my friend's business going to go under? I want the answer to the phone. You know, yeah. I was really bugged about that. And, I, and, you know, the, this kind of technology like Gigabook is a lot more affordable now, but at the time, you know, people were charging three, 400 bucks a month for this kind of stuff. And I said, man, there's got to be a way to make this a lot more affordable for a small business owner. Yeah, that was Almost five years ago, wow. <laughs> 25,000 hours of developing. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty, we have an industry leading platform now and it's, uh, we make it affordable for pretty much anyone. Fantastic. So, yeah. um, what would you say is the hardest part about starting a cloud-based business specifically? Oh man. Um, if you're, if your cloud platform doesn't do 100% of what a user wants, you are not going to have a user. Okay. So focus on user interface. 
Yeah, it's not even just the user interface. It's just like functionality. And like with something like booking, there's so many if then scenarios and like all these variables and like, what do you do when they reschedule or cancel or you want to collect a payment and hey, you got to send reminders and, you know, just all this different stuff. And, you know, if you don't do it all perfectly, then people bail. And, uh, you know, so when it comes to, you know, cloud platforms and stuff like that, you, it's it, my advice to anyone, if you're thinking about starting it is pick your most simple functions and be brilliant at the basics before you try to do too much. Cause people are going to notice that you're not good at certain parts and they just assume your whole platform is broken. If they run into one little thing, they don't like, or doesn't work the way they want it to. Makes sense. So we're just going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Chainers. One of the things that really upsets a lot of people is debt. Get your debt under control by visiting chainofwealth.com slash debt. We've written an amazing guide for you to master all the basics in terms of getting your debt and your payments in order and allowing you to pay back debt in the fastest way possible. We also teach you how to use debt to your advantage and even make money off it. Head over to chainofwealth.com slash debt. Awesome. So moving into the value link round, um, can we expect another book from you in the near future? Uh, because I like to write two books at the same time, I'm actually, <laughs> working, I'm actually working on two books that will both uh, come out in 2018. Fantastic. Do you have titles for them yet or is that still top secret? Oh. <laughs> No, it's fine. We'll talk about them. Um, I'm actually, I've decided to get to take on co-authors this time. Um, my, I'm, my editor and I are writing a book that is aimed, it's the realist guide to self-publishing. Okay. And so many people want to publish their own books. So we're going to give you a guide on how to do that. The editor, uh, that I've used and my co-author has been an editor of a dozen New York times bestsellers. So wow, fantastic. Yeah. And then the other one's the realist guide to a successful music career, which I am, uh, co-authoring with, um, a rock star that I will name later. Fantastic. So, yeah. um, I guess the best of luck with those. Um, my next question was actually, what advice would you have for any indie authors? But I guess maybe they should hold off and wait for your book. <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, no, but the, I mean, start writing. You know, I hear people tell me all the time. They say, oh, I really want to write a book. Okay, why aren't you writing it? I don't yeah. know. You just got to start writing and just see what happens. And, you know, like I said earlier in our conversation, just get as much stuff out of your head and on to – paper and then just see what happens and you're going to throw a lot of it away anyway so don't be overly critical just start writing awesome so why do you think that people fail at achieving their dreams at financial freedom at financial freedom or just dreams in general both you can take a stab at either one <laughs> well i think most people actually fail by never even starting um you know i think nike says it best just do it um <laughs> You know, so many people just, they wait for the right time and their right time's never going to come. In regards to financial freedom, I think that and a lot of people just don't exhibit any restraint, you know, and um, if you have problems with money, quit spending money or figure out how to earn more. And, yeah. it, you know, any, anything, any problem you're trying to solve, it, the worse you've made it means that it's going to take you that much longer to fix it. So you have to be resolute in your course of action for fixing these things. 
Fantastic. So what is your favorite quote then? Um, I, I always quote myself and I don't mean to be egotistical when I do that, <laughs> but, but really my main slogan is, is success demands payment in advance. There you go. I really like that. So um, are there any other books that you'd recommend at, out at the moment? Other than Balance Me by Matt DeCourcy or Million Dollar Bedroom. I've heard that they're both fantastic. <laughs> uh, hopefully. Um, you know, it, this is kind of funny. I, I don't really read a whole lot of books at this point. Um, the last two books I've read are mine. And, uh, Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I actually, as far as any other books, I mean, I, I'm, I use my Kindle a lot to kind of just download a zillion books and pull whatever information out. But... I don't really do a lot of recreational reading at this time. Um, I have a colleague named Travis Wright who has a great book called Digital Sense out right now. And that's about digital marketing. That That's a good one. Awesome. We'll look into that. So sure. um, where could we find you online if we want to connect with you? Well, you can always go to my personal website, which is mattdec.com, M-A-T-T. DEC.com, or you can sometimes track me down in different parts of Gigabook. There you go. And thanks, Matt. You've been fantastic on the show. Would, do you have any last parting piece of guidance for our listeners? Yeah, try. <laughs> Just try. <laughs> you know, like, and that, that I know that's a really basic statement, but if you try, you can get just about whatever you want. Um, I mean, the, the one thing that you can control. And one variable that you can always determine output for is your own effort. So, you know, and, and I didn't mention this earlier. I, I've actually been at my I'm at my office right now and I've been here since 10 o'clock last night. I actually take one night a week and I actually work all night. Wow. And people think I'm crazy for doing it. But really what I'm doing is I'm I'm trying, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to. <laughs> I work a little harder. I try to do things a little smarter, faster, or, or however, than my competition. And that's the difference. The difference between good and great is a very narrow margin. So sometimes that it's just controlled by how hard you try. Awesome. So, Chain, as you heard that, just try. Matt, thank you so much. I've loved having you on the show. Chainers, check out Matt's new book on Amazon, Million Dollar Bedroom, Scrappy Lessons of Success, Setback, and Other Surprises Not Taught in Business School. Catch you on the flip side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.